speaking, and then, then we'll go get some barbecue. How does that sound? And uh, all the law enforcement officers can go out there and jump in the bounce house. And <laughs> Just make sure your weapon is secured, all right? Make sure your weapon is secured. You have to check those at the door before you're allowed in the bounce house. We just don't want one going off and popping the bounce house, that's all. So, Hebrews chapter 9, if you turn over there, actually uh, a farmer was driving a cart full of vegetables to the market, and he had a collision with a semi. Bad thing was he was only in a horse and buggy. And uh, he had his dog sitting there next to him, and so uh, he suffered some severe injuries and uh, ended up in the hospital for quite some time, and the doctor told him that he was probably going to be in pain for the rest of his life. And so he sued the driver of the semi. The driver of the semi was the one that was definitely at fault, and even some of the other uh, uh, witnesses said that. And so the day came for the court case, and in the court, the driver's lawyer asked the farmer, he said, now... When the police arrived, did, you, did they ask you how you were feeling? And he said, yes, they did ask me that. And he said, and what did you tell the police officer? The farmer said, well, I told him I'd never been better in my life. He said, so, so you're trying to tell me that you want to sue for all of these damages and for millions of dollars, and you said at the scene of the accident that you've never been better in your life. And the lawyer said, I rest my case. The farmer's lawyer got up there, and he's sat there, and of course, they, he saw the judge furiously writing some things down. He said, this doesn't really look good, but the farmer's lawyer came up, and he asked the farmer, and he said, now, can you tell us exactly what happened when the police officer arrived? The farmer said, well, it was, it was like this. I was, I was lying in the ditch. Of course, I'd just been hit by a semi. I was in, I was in tremendous pain, but of course, I, I had a horse and buggy, and I had my dog there with me, and the, the, the police officer walked over there to the ditch where my horse was laying, and my horse had two broken legs. It was writhing in agony, and so the police officer pulled out his gun, and he shot the horse. It was the only thing that he could do. And he said, then he walked over to my dog, and the dog was laying there whimpering, and just, you know, I could tell he was in tremendous pain. There was nothing they could do to save his life, and so he pulled out his gun, and he shot the dog there in the ditch. And then he walked over to me and asked me how I was doing. What am I going to tell him other than I've never been better in my life? <laughs> I suppose the moral of the story is things could always be worse. But perhaps the most morbid thing we could talk about today is death, as if our law enforcement friends here don't see it enough. But I don't want to talk about the scenes that you've been at. I don't want to talk about the horrible things you've seen. I want to talk about your own death today. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 brings that idea front and center. The Bible says very simply this, And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. As it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. You see, every single one of us have an appointment with death. It could be today could be tomorrow, it could be 20 years from now, it could be 50 years from now. We don't know, but we do know that one day we are going to take our last breath. The good news is that you can prepare for that day before it gets here, even if that day happens to be today or even if that day happens to be tomorrow. But if you're not prepared for it and it comes, it's too late and there's nothing you can do about it. And so I want to give you three simple things this morning, three simple thoughts that we are going to look at as we talk about this idea of preparing for death, preparing for death. 
Let's pray, and then we'll look at a couple of these things this morning. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. I do thank you again for all of those that are here representing law enforcement this morning. And God, we thank you so much for their willingness to sacrifice. I do pray that you would be with the message this morning as we just talk about these things for a couple minutes and look at a few verses from your word. I pray that every single person would be prepared to die before we get done with the service this morning. So thank you again for all you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. When you say prepare to die, it makes it sound like somebody's standing, you know, standing there with a gun to your head and, and it's going to happen soon. And uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily mean there's nobody with a machine gun in the back waiting to gun everybody down when the service is over. But it is something that we need to prepare for. We need to be prepared for death because none of us knows when that day is going to come. And so the first thing I want to say is this. Don't ever take life for granted. Don't ever take life for granted. I'm sure you've heard that acronym YOLO, you only live once, right? And, and people use that to go out and do crazy things and whatever else, but it's true. You only get one life. And what you do with this life is what's going to determine what happens in the next. Not only is that very obvious, but it's also biblical. James chapter 4 and verse number 14 says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. On the timeline of eternity, our life is nothing but a puff of smoke. It's nothing but a, a, a cloud of steam, and it's gone. Somebody one time tried to, to explain uh, uh, what our life is on the timeline of eternity, and if you, could take a, if you could just picture you're standing out in a field where you could see as far as you can in both directions, and there's a wall that's there in front of you, and as far as you can see, that wall is going down in one direction, and as far as you can see, that wall is extending in the other direction, and you just take a little piece of dust, one little microscopic piece of dust, and throw it on that wall, that is your life on the timeline of eternity. It's so short. It's here, and then it's gone. It lasts a little longer for some people, but your, dust, your piece of dust just might be a little bit bigger. That's all. We all are. That's, that, that's, what, that's what our life is for all of us. And if there's anything I've learned in the last seven years of being a chaplain, it's that life is fragile at best. We're only one breath away from the end. It could be that heart attack. It could be that stroke. It could be that unknown medical condition. It could be that, that freak accident, that misstep, anything. And what I'm trying to get across to you this morning is that life is precious. We'll never be able to value life enough. It, it means so much. What a, what a gift it is from God, and it's He that gives us every single breath. If you have your Bible, you can turn over to Psalm 103. David wrote Psalm 103, and he said this in verse number one, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Verse number nine says, he will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sin, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. 
As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over, and it's gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children. See, a lot of people that live in our world today feel that they don't have a reason to live. A, a very sad statistic that I read in U.S. News and World Report just this month said that the suicide rates are up in almost every demographic. In 2022, almost 50 Americans took their own lives. And everything continues on the trajectory that it's going right now. In 2023, it's going to be even higher. 50,000 people who felt like there was nothing left in this life, who felt that the only thing that they could do was end it all. I'm here to tell you this morning, I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, 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 to minimize what you may be going through, but may I say to you this morning that nothing is so bad that it's worth the cost of your life. You may be going through a lot, but I want you to understand that there is help, there is hope, and life is a precious gift that we should hold on to at the cost of just about anything else. Don't ever take life for granted. But number two, I want to say this. Don't ever leave home on bad terms. And I know that's very specific. That, that, that applies to all of us. I think maybe a little bit more for law enforcement because you go out not knowing for sure if you're going to come back. Most of us go home at the end of the day. And I know law enforcement officers do too. But life comes at us fast. And we only get a brief second to make a decision on how we're going to react. And the police know that better than anyone else. I, I remember... Uh, it's certainly the case when it comes to, to having to discharge a weapon. You get a split second to make that decision. And when I, I went through the Citizens Academy uh, several years ago, and they gave us an opportunity to go into a simulator where you have a gun that's attached to a, to a computer uh, wirelessly, and they give you a scenario, and then they send you in there to go, to go handle it the same way that a police officer might handle that situation. Well, I got a bank robbery. That was the situation that was, that I was supposed to handle. And so you walk in there and you can see in the background inside the bank this robbery that's going on inside there. And uh, you're focusing on, all, on that and there's, there's hostages that are leaning up against the wall with their heads down just trying to protect themselves. And all of a sudden, one of the, one of the women stands up and turns around and starts shooting at you. And you have a split second to make a decision on what's going on and do I shoot back before you get shot. Well, I, I made it through that scenario and I, there, was a, there was an odd number of people. And so they asked me if I wanted to go through again to be a partner to, uh, to a lady who hadn't had a, didn't have a partner. And I said, I'd love to go through that again. So the scenario we got was a break-in at a warehouse in the middle of the night. All the lights were off. We walk inside, and there's just this little swinging light above uh, in the middle of that warehouse. So there was not a lot of light. And all of a sudden, a guy stands up from behind a desk. He's got his hand hidden behind a box on the desk. You can't tell what's in his hand. And, of course, there we are. Our job is to shout at him to tell him, get your hands up, get your hands up where we can see him. And all of a sudden, he pulls out a gun. You have a split second to make a decision on whether you're going to shoot this guy or not. And I hesitated. But this lady started emptying everything she had in that gun. Bam, 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 bam. And she finally ran out of bullets. And they paused the video, and, they, and the guy said, what does he have in his hand? And she said, is that a stapler? <laughs> he had a stapler in his hand, not a gun. And then they over the picture where your bullets went, and all the way down the left side of that guy's body, next to him, not on him, was her gunshots. <laughs> and you could tell the gun was getting heavier and heavier as she shot. 
But you have to make that decision. And most of them are not life and death decisions that we have to make, but we look back on something that, that we said or did in the heat of the moment and we regret saying that. You can't take it back, but you can make it right. We have a split second to make a decision on how we're going to react in a lot of situations, and often we, act in, we react in anger and we wish we could take it back. My point is this, make those things right. Don't storm out of the house and rush off to work. Don't, it, it, it may be that, that you don't come back. You never know if you're going to get hit by a car or, or, or have an accident that, that, that leaves you dead or paralyzed, or you don't know what. And imagine if that's what they have to remember about you for the rest of your life, or vice versa. You may not get a chance to go back home and get those things right. You would sure hate that that last conversation you had was an angry argument or a harsh word. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26 says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let, the, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. It may feel good in the moment, but it could leave years of regret. Life is precious. And those around you are the most precious things that you have. Treat them that way. Don't ever leave home on bad terms. Make up with your husband. Make up with your wife. Make up with your parents. Make up with your children if you need to. Get things right. You may not get a chance to do it again. And then I want to say lastly this. Don't ever take life for granted. Don't ever leave home on bad terms. But the third thing I want to say is this. Remember that you are body, soul, and spirit. Remember that you're body, soul, and spirit. The body often gets the attention, right? In the world that we live in today, it's so glamorized that we, we decorate it. We flaunt it. We, we, we expose way too much of it. We build muscles to try to make it attractive, we do a lot with our bodies and put a whole lot of emphasis on that. A lot, of, a lot of money is spent every single year on protecting our bodies. Last year, Americans spent $4.5 trillion on health. $4.5 trillion on health. That comes out to an average of just under $13,000 that we spend protecting our bodies. The estimate for 2023 is that the beauty industry is worth $573 billion. We protect it. We try to make it pretty. We do everything we can to make it as attractive as we can. We put a lot of focus on the body. But Jesus pointed our attention elsewhere. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 25, Therefore I say unto you, Jesus said, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what shall ye put on? Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? He says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Do you know what a lot of billionaires would do if they were laying there in the hospital bed with a disease that there is no cure for? They would give every last dollar to live another year. In some cases, to live another month. Because your life is more than just your body. Your life is made up of your soul and your spirit as well, and that's the real you. That's who you are. But what Jesus was trying to get us to understand is that this life is so much more than just your body. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus asked. 
One of these days, this body, for all we spend on it, for all we do to try to keep it alive and well, keep it beautiful, it's going to be rotting in a grave somewhere. And I'm not trying to be grotesque or morbid or any of those things, but what then? What happens when your body is no longer full of life? What happens when it's laying in an auditorium displayed for everybody to walk by and weep over? What then? Jesus gave that answer to a man by the name of Nicodemus. In John chapter 3, verse number 1, the Bible says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus had the same question that probably a lot of people have when they hear that term about being born again. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell where it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And in that same passage, we find probably the most well-known verse of any other verse in the Bible. Because a couple verses later, after Nicodemus and Jesus had a little bit of a conversation, Jesus said this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How can you have this everlasting life? Well, it's certainly not by doing all the good we can do. It would, it would never be enough to get us into heaven. How do you know when you've done enough good to get there? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If I could get to heaven because of me, then I could boast about why I'm there. I can't get to heaven because of me. It doesn't matter how much you went to church. It doesn't matter how much you gave to the church. It doesn't matter how many good deeds you've done in the community. It doesn't matter all those. None of those things matter according to this verse. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. I can't walk through heaven, puff up my chest and say, yeah, I did a lot of good in my lifetime. I'm here because of everything that I did. Oh, you know what I'm going to do when somebody asks me how I made it? I'm going to say it has nothing to do with me has everything to do with what Jesus Christ did for me. He died on the cross to pay for my sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's not by being baptized. It's not by joining a church. It's not by giving our money. It's not by any of those things. I read a quote that said this, money will buy a bed, but not sleep. Books, but not brains. Food, but not appetite. Finery, but not beauty. A house, but not a home. Medicine, but not health. Luxuries, but not culture. Amusements, but no happiness. Religion, but not salvation. A passport to everywhere, but heaven. See, heaven is only obtained through Jesus Christ. You cannot earn it. You cannot do enough good. And I know there's a lot of people who think, well, God's going to take all my good, good works and put them on one side and all my bad works and put them on the other. And if my good works and my bad works, then he's going to let me come in. But again, it's... 
It doesn't have anything to do with Jesus Christ at that point. Why did he have to die if, it's, if, if, if it depends on me? It's because it doesn't depend on me. It depends on him and what he's done for me. If we could earn our way to heaven, then why did Jesus even have to die on the cross? His death was for nothing if I don't need him to get into heaven. Oh, he died on the cross to be the payment and to take my penalty so that I don't have to pay it because I can never repay the debt that I owe. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know what that means? It means even one sin is enough to keep me out of heaven. Somebody who robs a bank, even is called what? A robber. Somebody who, who kills somebody, even once, is called a murderer. Somebody who sins, even once, is still a sinner. You might be great. You might be a good person. You might do a lot of good in the community. You might do a lot of things for a lot of people. But the Bible says that not even one sin can enter into heaven. If you've ever told a lie, if you've ever disobeyed your parents, if you've ever cheated, if you've ever stolen something, if you ever uh, looked on a woman with lust, the list could go on and on and on of all the things that Jesus says are sins in his book. And even one of those is enough to keep us out of heaven because God's perfect, God's holy. He cannot allow that to enter into heaven. So even though if you're trying to jump across that expanse to get to heaven, some people might make it a little farther than other people, but the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So nothing we can do can get us there. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what that means? That means when we sin and sin and sin and sin and live our lives the way that we want to, one of these days there's going to be a reckoning. The same way that you go and work and work and work and work and get the paycheck. You expect to get wages for the work that you do, and the Bible says that there are wages for sin. That wage is death. It's eternal death in hell forever and ever and ever. That timeline of eternity that we talked about, could you imagine being in a lake of fire that the Bible talks about for all of that eternity? There are no fire escapes in hell. The Bible talks about in, in, in Luke, the, the rich man and Lazarus, and the Bible says that, that the rich man, because he was counting on his riches, the Bible says in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment. and Seeth Lazarus afar off. And he said, if somebody would just come and dip the tip of their finger in water and give me one drop of water to cool my tongue, I'm tormented in these flames. Many times Jesus talked about parables. This is a parable. Jesus told a parable and then he tells a story. Jesus doesn't say that the story of the rich man and Lazarus is a parable. It's a true story that Jesus told, and that rich man is still burning in hell today because he rejected Jesus Christ. Now, the good news is the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Could you imagine a, a judge on the, on the bench trying someone who murdered his son and knowing that this man was a murderer, knowing that it was his son who was the one that was murdered, giving him a pardon and letting him go free and then walking down from that bench and putting his hands in the shackles to be led off to prison. But that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. He knew that I was going to come along. 
He knew that I was going to be born. He knew that I was going to be a sinner, and he knew that I was going to need a Savior. And so he willingly went to the cross and died for my sins. One of these days, we're going to stand before God, and this is not exactly the way that the Bible describes it, but I can imagine that this may be the way that it's going to be. Let me see your papers. Why should I let you into heaven? We give him the list, and there is all of our sins one after another listed, and God looks at it and he says, I, I can't let you in. It's, it, it's, it's, this page is covered. Even if you only had one on there, I, I couldn't let you in. You, you can't enter into heaven this way. But one of these days, I'm going to stand before God, and he's going to say, why should I let you in? Now, I've got a whole list of all those things myself. But see, when I give God that page, it's not going to be that list of all those sins. It's going to be a nice, clean, white sheet over the top of that with the name of Jesus written over it. And God's not going to see my sin when he looks at my record. He's going to see his son. And of course, he's going to recognize that name, and he's going to say, oh, Jesus, come on in. You belong to me. Doesn't have anything to do with me. Has everything to do with him. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There was a preacher who she was still a very young woman, and she left behind a, a very young daughter. And the little girl didn't understand all the intricacies of life and death. And sometime after her mom had passed, the girl and her father were downtown doing some shopping. And the little girl was in the car, and she looked over at the wall of a department store. And there on the wall of that department store, she saw, saw a shadow of a big truck. There was a truck that was going by, and she saw that shadow. The sun was setting it made that truck so huge on that wall and she pointed it out to her dad dad look at look at the big shadow of that truck and her dad thought for a second he said sweetheart if you had your choice would you rather get hit by the truck or by the shadow of the truck and she said of course i'd rather get hit by the shadow of the truck and he said that's right darling it was only the shadow that hit mama the truck hit jesus he took the sting of death. And one of these days, we're going to see your mama again. See, Jesus has taken the sting out of sin and the dread out of the grave. Jesus became our victor. And there cannot be a shadow unless there's light. The moment you begin to live, you begin to die. And you've been slowly dying ever since the day you were born. You don't get to choose the moment you die. That's been determined for you a long time before you came along. God knows the moment. He knows the day. He knows the hour, but you can prepare for that moment when it comes. See, don't ever take life for granted. Don't ever, don't ever leave home on bad terms. But even those wonderful things count for nothing. You forget your soul and your spirit. See, you must know Jesus as your Savior, your eternal destiny must be settled before you step into eternity. You're not prepared to live unless you're prepared to die. The moment that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I was given eternal life. And I'll tell you this, I haven't used a minute of it yet. But my last breath on this earth is going to be my first breath in heaven. Not because of me. Not because I'm a good person or because of any of those other things, but because of what Jesus Christ did for me. 
The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. He says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not a maybe. It's not a I hope. You ask a lot of people if they know for sure they're going to heaven when they die, and that's how they answer. Well, I think so. I might. Maybe. I'm trying. But none of those things are assurance. If you ask me if I know for sure that I'm going to heaven, it's not a prideful thing for me to say, yes, I know for sure I'm going to heaven. Not because I'm trusting in my good works or not because I'm trusting in what I've done in the past or any of those other things. I'm trusting in what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. It's Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And that's all the assurance that I need. Are you prepared to die? Are you prepared to die? Because if you're not prepared to die, then you certainly aren't prepared to live. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for giving your life for every single one of us here in this room this morning. And God, I pray that you take these very simple thoughts and the verses that we read from the word of God. And for those who may not know for sure that they're on their way to heaven, God, I pray that you'd help them to get that settled this morning. Thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would